I'm John. I'm Tim. And this is Masters of Deduction. Welcome back to uh, Masters of Deduction. Uh, my name is John McGuire. Um, I am a uh, serial entrepreneur uh, and have been for 12 years. And I get confused about uh, tax deductions sometimes. So I've got Tim here. I'm Tim Parrish. I'm a tax attorney, former uh, tax credits leader at a big four firm. Uh, in the previous episode, we talked uh, about fairly technical stuff around the employee retention credit. And we really wanted to talk more about the practical way to actually go about claiming it, getting second opinions, making sure you're maximizing the opportunity. Um, so we've got a couple of very common questions here and looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about how to talk to your CPA about the ERC. Uh, so we're going to start off with uh, uh, this first one I have here, which is what you'll need for the ERC uh, 2020 and 2021. So what will you need for the ERC 2021? And I might clarify that a little bit. I think what they're asking is uh, what will you need to prepare in order to be ready for 2020 and 2021. Yeah, so you need a couple of things. Uh, the first step is pulling your profit and loss statements for each quarter to see if you had a revenue decline. Um, we'll also need your PPP forgiveness application if you mm -hmm. uh, took a PPP loan. And then uh, the 941s, um, the reason for that is we will be amending those 941s, submitting the 941Xs to the IRS to actually claim the credit. And then the last thing is your payroll data. Yeah. Um, and then the other kind of, I realize this could be two different ways that this question is being asked. So what you'll need for the ERC 2020 and 2021. We covered this in the laps episode, so let's keep it a little bit shorter. But this could also be asking, like, uh, what do I need to qualify for the ERC in 2020 and 2021? So Yeah, so uh, the rules did change. The program became much more accessible in 2021. Um, to show eligibility under the gross receipts test, in 2020, it had to be a more than 50% decline. And in 2021, it only has to be more than 20%. So you still need the same information, but um, the, the gross receipts test became a lot more um, accessible. And what's the difference in the uh, partial suspension between the two years? Same. same. The same rules apply. Uh, the government orders obviously changed from the beginning of the pandemic and were modified uh, as different states uh, reacted to it differently, but the test remains the same. Um, this, you mentioned the 941X earlier. Uh, let's cover that quickly. What is a 941X? Yep. So the 941X is simply an amended 941. Every quarter you file a 941. Or your accountant most likely files your 941 sure. for you. Uh, and this is just an amended return. So uh, next question I have here is uh, how to get your 941X form filed with the IRS. So you have to mail it to the IRS, snail mail. There's unfortunately no electronic way to submit a 941X to the IRS. So they hired 80,000 tax professionals and they basically are professional letter openers at this point. Uh, yeah, they, uh, it'd be nice to email it to them, but no, mail is what we have to do. Uh, cool. Uh, again, uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, how can you estimate uh, how much your ERC return will be? Yeah, so uh, we covered before that it can be up to $26,000 per employee. Very well 
could be somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 15,000. The way you determine it is twofold. You look to see the period that you're eligible. You may only be eligible in 2020, or you may be eligible for both years. Uh, and then you figure out how many employees you had during that period of time. And you can pretty quickly do a back of the napkin estimate uh, to determine, you know, is it closer to $10,000 per employee or $26,000? Uh, and figure out if it's worth the effort to pursue it. All righty. Um, okay, this is kind of an interesting, well, this question, I'm not sure if uh, the uh, person who asked this question like fully understand uh, un understands it, but the question is, what should my 941X form show in order to maximize my ERC? Uh, I mean, you can like drill down into like what each of the boxes actually should say, but I don't think that's really what they're yeah. getting at. So how do you want to handle that? So the, the 941X is simply a bunch of lines with dollar figures on it. There's not a whole lot else. You're not submitting supporting documentation. However, in order to figure out how to actually fill it out, you have to use the IRS's ERC worksheet, and that tells you to plug in the number of uh, qualified wages that you have for the ERC, and then you pull certain data from the 941. What we've seen is that uh, in the process of preparing the 941X, numbers get fat-fingered, mm -hmm. uh, numbers get put on the wrong line, um, numbers can be flipped, so you might actually end up either accidentally doubling the credit uh, or accidentally cutting There's it There's actually a company that we heard about that accidentally was doubling like every single credit that they filed for a while. Right, and so uh, it may seem like it's just simply made people feel pretty rich for a little bit there. Data entry, but you're gonna be on the hook for uh, substantiating that you're actually eligible for mm -hmm. that. And if you have to pay it back with penalties and interest, it's not good. So um, you, in order to maximize it, you wanna make sure you follow the worksheet. Um, but there's nothing that you need to provide in addition to the 941X in order to maximize the credit. Uh, what companies qualify for the ERC? Gosh, uh, pretty much. Again, these are, these are not my questions. These are just common questions. Every, every industry is probably going to have companies within it that are eligible. Mm -hmm. um, retail, restaurant, healthcare, manufacturing, um, the IRS has actually published some data on who's claiming it, and pretty much across the top 20 industries, top being those that employ the most employees, almost every single industry had a significant amount of ERC claims. So uh, a lot of businesses qualify, um, and that includes essential businesses. So even if you were allowed to stay open, you can still qualify. Yeah, and I think one thing that might be helpful is just kind of say like, what companies typically are shoe-ins to qualify? So like manufacturing companies uh, is a, a great example. Uh, any company that's that had to make adjustments or changes to like their uh, to their line. So uh, if you had to now separate all of your employees that are standing on an assembly line two feet from each other, and now you got to make everybody six feet away and put a plexiglass and all sorts of stuff like that, then they're Yeah, and you couldn't produce as much because right. of those limitations. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So that's like kind of a shoe, and there are other ones like that too. Um, uh, so the question I have here is, uh, what if I didn't show a large revenue loss but was still forced to close or limit my operations because of COVID? I mean, that's basically what we just talked about. 
Yeah, I mean, I'll give you an example with restaurants, for example. A lot of restaurants were required to close their indoor dining, but actually survived the pandemic because they had an increase yeah. in their to-go orders or delivery. And in Texas, Governor Abbott allowed uh, alcohol to be yeah. delivered. So they actually, they did okay. But prior to the pandemic, almost all their revenue came from indoor dining. Mm -hmm. That was completely shut down or 50% you know, capacity limitation for six months. The revenue decline is one test. And if you don't meet it, you set that aside and you look at whether the government orders had a more than uh, nominal effect on your ability to operate. And the IRS guidance, um, I think because most people at the IRS have to eat, they used a very straightforward example of a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And so the restaurants um, throughout the IRS guidance are used as an example. And, and that would be a perfect example of someone who did okay during the pandemic, may have seen the revenues go up, but actually uh, were significantly impacted by the government orders. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a really good one. Uh, do I have to pay back the ERC? So the PPP loan was, uh, it's called a loan at least, and then if you qualified, you then did not have to pay back uh, the loan. Um, but this is different. Right, so you, you do not have to pay it back. And there's, and there's no way that you need to pay it back unless it's a fraudulent claim. Yeah. There's no limitations on how you use the money either. For PPP, you had to use it for payroll costs and certain other qualifying expenses. ERC, this is simply a refund of overpaid payroll taxes. And once you receive the refund and if uh, you get audited and you pass the audit, um, you can use the money however you see fit. Uh, does the ERC affect my tax return? It will. Yes, it definitely will. That's the goal. So uh, the way this works is that it's a payroll tax refund. It is not considered taxable income. But uh, if you'll indulge me for a second on the technical rule as the tax yeah, attorney yeah, in the room. To, and we'll indulge you for sure. Uh, you need to reduce your deduction that you claimed in prior years. Uh, for the wages that you pay to employees. Every year you claim a deduction for wages you pay. Um, this program requires that you reduce that wage deduction by the amount of the ERC. And what the IRS says is that you should not make that adjustment on a future return. You need to go back and amend the return. So it's really important that you work with your CPA or your tax preparer to evaluate what type of adjustment you have to make. Uh, we always encourage uh, our clients to send our, uh, mm -hmm. our package of materials to their CPA so they can review everything uh, and get comfortable with it and make any necessary adjustments. And uh, so should I do the ERC myself, use my CPA, or hire another firm? Uh, I think there's some examples of very straightforward fact patterns sure. where you could do it by yourself, especially if you only have a handful of people. Once you get into situations where you took a PPP loan mm -hmm. and you might be uh, relying on the government order test instead of uh, a drop in, in gross receipts, I think it behooves you to use someone to uh, document your eligibility, make sure they agree with it. What we've found is that uh, CPAs, unfortunately, um, They'll look at the, the gross receipts test, but are, are sort of unwilling to examine eligibility under the partial suspension 
test. Which is tough because a lot of times that's what people are going to uh, qualify under. And a lot of times it's not even, I mean, it's not as black and white as, uh, it's not as black and white as the uh, revenue test, but it's still pretty black and white. Were you affected 10%? Well, yeah, that's a pretty easy argument to actually defend. Yeah. So um, I think if you talk to your CPA and they say you don't qualify under the gross receipts, that's definitely go get a second opinion. Um, and I think what a lot of companies, and this is what, what your business did, mm -hmm. was use their payroll company yeah. to qualify. And uh, payroll companies will push the burden of proof onto their client to establish eligibility, mm -hmm. um, provide very limited education on how you can qualify. Um, and have you check the boxes, and then they'll take your payroll data and file the return. If you provide the wrong information, they're probably not gonna do the due diligence to check to see if it's accurate, um, and they won't follow up with you to see if you're missing out on anything. Yeah. If you wanna give an example of how yeah. that worked for you. Well, that's, that's how we got started working together. So we filed for PPP one year, uh, and the ERC, um, uh, Congress changed the, the guidance so that companies could um, qualify for both ERC and PPP. And so you told us we should, uh, we should uh, look into ERC and see if we qualify. Um, so we used our payroll company, I won't throw them under the bus, but they're a big one. Uh, they did it for us um, and they just sent us a questionnaire and I, I think they, they did use our payroll, they clearly did. But you just um, checked a few boxes. Checked a few boxes, so uh, we did it, we did it you know, with the way that they asked us to, but it was pretty minimal. So we got around $200,000 in ERC uh, money from, uh, from you know, that effort, which was great. Uh, and then day one, uh, when we pulled you over, you said, I'm gonna take a look at this and do what's called a look back. And a look back is when you hire another firm to then amend your already amended 941Xs. Um, you did that and it got us an additional $108,000 uh, that we missed out because of, I think, the safe harbor exemption. Yeah, so um, the gross receipts test, you, you can be eligible in one quarter if you have the requisite decline, but in both years, it probably means you're also eligible in the next quarter. And the payroll company didn't educate your business partner on that rule, and so he only checked one box. And it was very apparent within five minutes of me reviewing the documents that you missed out yeah. on a significant amount of money. Um, and so payroll companies, yes, it can be pretty quick. And if you're willing to take the risk of being responsible for uh, proving that you're eligible, can be a good option for companies, but with the deadline coming up and the reality that you can't go back and get it if you miss that deadline, what we're recommending to clients is that even if you've already claimed it, go get a second opinion, yeah. find someone who will do a look back review like John mentioned, yeah. um, and it's free. Yeah, uh, well, some companies, yeah. Right, so for us, what we do is we'll do a free review, um, and we can quickly tell if you either missed credit or perhaps the documentation isn't as strong as we would recommend. Yeah. Um, and only if we find incremental value do we charge a fee. So it's, uh, it, it's a kind of a no-brainer. Um, it doesn't take very long. You just send us the documents that you've already had someone prepare for you, and we go from there. Yeah. 
it's just a second chance and I mean, we're glad we did it. Uh, absolutely. Uh, this is probably my favorite question on here just because it sounds like an after school special, but how do, talk to, how do I talk to my CPA about ERC? So uh, for parents who are wondering how to talk to their kids about drugs, um, that's one option uh, or one way, but uh, how do I talk to my CPA about ERC yeah. and if they're on drugs? <laughs> I think the most important thing is just making sure that if they tell you that you're not eligible, that you ask did you examine my eligibility under the partial suspension test? Um, and if they haven't, um, make sure to let them know that you're going to seek uh, a second opinion. Um, and as we mentioned on the, the previous episode, uh, we're more than happy to let CPAs review what we put together um, to get them on board before we, we file anything. But oftentimes we're finding that they're very cautious um, and they'll review the, the gross receipts test, but not the, the, the other partial suspension. Uh, and it, so it's really important that you do both. Yeah. So how do you talk to CPAs? Because, I mean, you run into uh, CPAs that kind of block their uh, the companies that they work with from filing for the ERC because the AICPA did actually release some guidance saying you should be very cognizant and aware and a bit concerned about the ERC providers you're using, which we agree with. We really do. We think uh, we think you should not use the scammy ERC providers. We think you should use us uh, and a short list of, of other uh, companies that we think do a good job. Um, so the, the question basically is like, when a CPA tells you that you're full of it, uh, how do you change their mind? Yeah, uh, I mean, I can bore people to death with my knowledge of the the guidance, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it really it is establishing credibility. Uh, in my case, I am a tax attorney. Uh, I led the tax credits practice at Ernst and Young, which is uh, one of the big four accounting firms. Um, since day one of the pandemic, I've been reviewing draft legislation, the actual legislation. Um, all the FAQs and the four sets of guidance the IRS has issued. Uh, okay, you're just bragging a little bit right now, the aren't technology. you? technology. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it is a matter of explaining that we're not an ERC pop-up shop. Yeah. We, uh, we have a lot of experience in the area. Um, the technology that I've worked on has calculated over a billion dollars in ERC credits. And, um, you know, just reassuring them that we'll give them a chance to review it. Mm -hmm. and to get on board with, with our methodology. Mm -hmm. So why, oh, I kind of covered this already, but why do CPAs often think that I don't qualify for ERC? So we talked about the AICPA, but what are the biggest things that you're running into uh, that CPAs are uh, uh, using as evidence or guidance so that to tell uh, their clients that they aren't going to qualify for the ERC? Yeah, I think... Um, the number one talking point that I hear is that you will be audited. Uh, and as we mentioned before, there's no guarantee that you'll get audited. You might, uh, there will be companies that get audited, but um, it is not a scam program. It is legitimately out there for you to access. Um, and I, I think it's just the nature of, of CPAs. What are they engaged to do? They're engaged to help Thank you. you to protect you, keep your financial books in order. Mm -hmm. And so they have access to all that information. They're not exactly innovators, or yeah. I mean, some of them may be, but that's not what their but main job is. Not, um, you know, they're not as familiar with what happened to your business during COVID and what kind of operational 
changes you made. So it is somewhat outside of their traditional um, yeah. responsibilities, and that's why it's important to talk to someone who can help you think through whether you can qualify under that other test. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, uh, well, this is something that we covered in the, the last episode for sure, but we should cover it again. I mean, people want to know it. Um, what if I showed a large revenue decline in 2020, but not in 2021? Uh, and then the following question is the inverse of that. What if I showed a large revenue decline in 2021, but not 2020? Yeah. Uh, everyone thinks that it's either $26,000 or bust. Yeah. You can qualify in individual quarters mm -hmm. and get a portion of that. So if you had a really large revenue decline, more than 50% in 2020, but your business bounced back in 21, you would be eligible for the ERC in 2020 and that's up to $5,000 per employee. On the flip side, if you didn't have a 50% decline in 2020, but you had a greater than 20% decline in 2021, mm -hmm. you can get up to $21,000 if you meet the test in each of the three quarters. So um, it's important to look at it both ways. And I'm gonna get a little technical here for a second because Perfect. we're finding a lot of clients qualify under a very unique set of facts, and that is, if your gross receipts declined uh, by more than 20% in Q4 2020 compared to Q4 19, um, we just said that the gross receipts decline has to be more than 50% in 2020. But the 2021 rules allow you to look at an alternate quarter. Mm -hmm. So what we're finding is a lot of companies actually had a decline of more than 20% in Q4 2020 and that makes them eligible in Q1 2021. Mm -hmm. um, so just looking at 50% declines in 2020 quarters, um, you, you likely are going to overlook that very special rule, um, which could get you up to $7,000 per employee. We've, we've seen it time and time again um, that that is overlooked and it's a significant opportunity. Oh, absolutely. All right, that's all the questions that I have here today. Do you have anything else you want to share with people or anything like that? Is there anything else in, in, in summary you want to give? Well, I, I just think as you go on your ERC journey, there's going to be questions that come up and you have another year uh, to get the 2020 ERC claim in. Um, and just because uh, you've been told once that you're not eligible. You have another year depending on when you're seeing this. Uh, like, Because, right. I mean, people might be seeing this in April of 2020 uh 2024 right. but yeah so you have until april 2024 for the first half of the program um but get a second opinion mm -hmm. and if you've already claimed it you may have claimed it based on the original rules and you need to go back and look to see if there's additional value on the table based on the change in those rules um and unfortunately there's a lot of providers out there that um do a very cursory review mm -hmm. and so you may have filed something but there's actually a lot more value out there mm -hmm. and we're happy to uh, take a look for free and see if we can find anything additional yeah that and definitely when you talk to your cpa uh, push a little bit harder this is an opportunity that they might be a little bit wary of but it's a huge opportunity and um, you'll be kicking yourself if uh, you pass the deadline and and don't get it and then find out you really could have and your competitors are taking it most likely so you should go and get it too all right, I think that's everything that we have. So thanks for listening. Uh, this has been uh, Masters of Deduction. I'm John. I'm Tim. And you guys have a great day.